How to show up with Coca-Cola energy. You're tired and you're thinking of canceling on your friends. Don't do it! Every time you cancel on a friend, a unicorn loses its horn and becomes a regular horse. Do you really want that on your conscience? Instead, grab an ice-cold can of Coca-Cola energy with delicious Coke taste and reinvigorating energy. Keep the unicorns alive! Show up every day with Coca-Cola energy. Energy you want, taste you love. The Leslie Marshall Show, a true democracy in talk radio. Of, for, and by you, the people. Good afternoon and welcome to the Leslie Marshall Show. This is Mark Grimaldi in for Leslie Marshall for the next hour. I uh, will be joined uh, in this half hour by Colonel Cedric Layton, who you've heard on this program many times before with both Leslie and myself. Uh, He is the founder and president of Cedric Layton Associates, a strategic risk and leadership consultancy serving global companies and organizations. And the next half hour from 3.30 to 4, we're actually going to be talking about a, uh, a separate topic with a separate guest, but we'll get to that then. In the meantime, uh, we have Colonel Layton on, who uh, founded his company that we just mentioned in 2010 after serving in the U.S. Air Force for 26 years as an intelligence officer and attaining the rank of colonel. Uh, as of November 2015, he acquired his new position, uh, which he currently holds as a military analyst for CNN, and we're going to be having him on today to talk about the uh, the very uh, tragic mass shooting slash terror attack that occurred in uh, Orlando, Florida, uh, very early uh, this Sunday morning. Uh, as we've uh, talked uh, before with you on some really tough topics, obviously this uh, this ranks right up there, uh, Colonel Layton. But we're very uh, pleased to have you join us today. Thank you. Absolutely, Mark. Uh, yeah, it's a sad situation that we have to deal with today, but uh, uh, it is uh, unfortunately a, one of the new realities that uh, I think is characteristic of of the age in which we find ourselves in. Um, a lot of you know, a lot of uh, information has come out over the past twenty four hours um, since a lot of people became aware that this even happened. I, I was actually home. Um, as I'm sure many people were, you know, a Sunday, some people not really necessarily sitting in front of their computers or TV may have found out about it at, at different times. I was on the computer uh, for something unrelated and, you know, obviously the top story. And, and I think the first thing that jumped out at, at many of us, including myself, was was the number uh, of people that were killed. I know it's sad to say, but a lot of the times when you see these, these shootings, you know, you see you know, four or five people, and it just seems so commonplace that I think it gets dumbed down and people emotionally, it just doesn't register as much as it really should. But when you see that number of 49 people, uh, victims, and then the, the shooter himself killed as well, uh, and 53 injured, it just really, um, is just absolutely staggering. The, uh, the biggest, uh, 
you know, the, the biggest mass shooting in United States history. And obviously we have quite a unfortunate history in that category. So that, that says something in and of itself. Um, and then obviously there's the connection, uh, of, of the shooter calling 911, uh, after the shooting had actually started, it it seems like he went into a bathroom and, and called nine one one and and pledged his allegiance to uh, to ISIS. The fact that he targeted uh, a gay club that you know was uh, patronized by many in the LGBT community there in Orlando. Um, there's there's that angle to it. Just just tell us your overall optics on on this mass shooting terror attack uh, from your perspective, Colonel. Sure, Mark. The, the big issue here is, you know, what they call a lone wolf terrorist. And in this particular case, it, we may find out, and they, of course, this very, very, uh, we're very much at the beginning stages of this, uh, but we may find out that uh, this guy truly acted alone, just like, uh, you know, we all believe right now. And if he did, uh, what it really shows is that it's very, very difficult for the authorities, for co-workers, for anybody to get inside other people's heads to find out exactly what they're thinking about, why they're thinking, uh, the thoughts that they are, they're thinking if they are, you know, radicalized from an uh, Islamic State perspective. And the kinds of things that we, uh, that we see here really indicate that the radicalization process can start anywhere, anytime. Uh, there are a lot of different types of people who are susceptible to this. One of the things that I noted uh, in the case of, of the Orlando shooting is that the shooter may very well have suffered from some kind of uh, mental illness. Uh, and that, uh, you know, this is based on what the uh, a shooter's ex-wife said uh, she is in the Uzbek uh, by Uzbek heritage, and he is uh, was from Afghanistan. Uh, the big idea with that is that the uh, the kinds of things that you are dealing with really show that these people. Uh, find it very difficult to actually have roots anywhere. And when they have a difficulty belonging, when they have a difficulty uh, being part of uh, groups that are not necessarily from their own cultural heritage, but you know, maybe work-related groups or other cultural groups, uh, there may be some indicators there. It doesn't mean that every loner is a bad person, but what it does mean is that people really need to pay attention to what's going on. And uh, in this case, the authorities also need to find better ways of acting on the information that they get from, from people who are giving them tips. And in this uh, situation, we had uh, some warning signs, and some indication that uh, people were actually reporting activities. And uh, when, uh, I, you know, when his activities at work were, uh, were reported to, to others, the FBI investigated, uh, that, uh, that then, you know, should have had some red flags in it, but apparently those red flags were not sufficient in and of themselves to really make a, a big impression on the FBI and to give the FBI something that they needed to in order to uh, you know, prevent this from happening. I guess there's a couple issues that you hit on there that I agree with you are very important. The first one you mentioned was his ex-wife uh, who said, you know, not only did he uh, abuse her, but that she she thinks he exhibited symptoms that she described as bipolar because he could go from being very nice and kind to all of a sudden doing a complete 180 and obviously being abuse, abusive. She said he essentially kept her hostage, that her family had to rescue her uh, from him. I mean, she even filed a police report 
after uh, she got away from him, you have that factor, which you mentioned, which is one very big red flag, obviously, for, for someone to then have not only guns, but, you know, the semi-automatic AR-15 that he used in this massacre, number one. But number two, you then have the fact that you mentioned, um, you know, sometimes with these people, you have this, this lone wolf uh, scenario where you just think, oh, man, you know, these people keep to themselves. If, if they talk to no one, how do you, you know, like you said, get inside their head? But he, he talked to enough at work that someone not only you know heard him and was concerned but felt like compelled enough to contact authorities which can't be an easy thing because you work with someone you'd probably be afraid if you really think this person is dangerous that they could find out you were the one who reported them so that tells me that it must have been serious enough for someone to have the foresight to to contact the authorities and and not only on one but two separate instances i did read what the fbi had to say regarding the two instances where they investigated him and they just couldn't find uh, enough information to basically uh you know it, it sounds like charge him with anything so uh, when when looking at those two specific cases where where they spoke with him just briefly here i mean where was the disconnect they, they just what else, could they have done anything different from we from what we know now did they miss anything or it would it was it simply the fact of the evidence that was out there they were just abiding by the law and were not allowed to hold him because they didn't have enough evidence and would basically be um you know arresting him for you know unreasonable cause well, and I think that could have very well been a major factor in this. The the idea of arresting somebody before they commit an act uh, is something that uh, is antithetical to our judicial system. Uh, you, know, you can't arrest somebody for thinking about stuff, but you can arrest them for doing bad things. And uh, since he hadn't done bad things yet, uh, he didn't fit into that category. Uh, the other thing that uh, that I think is very interesting here is the the idea that uh, the, of the wife, but the fact that she reported uh, the bipolar nature of of his uh, of his activities and uh, the fact that he you know his personality switched so much like you described um, that it would be very interesting to see if that ever came up in the FBI's investigation of him and also if it came up in the periodic background investigations that his employer uh, G4S had conducted because they conducted two background investigations and neither one of them apparently indicated that there were any problems uh, that would have prevented him from being a security guard. And they're a major uh, security guard organization from what I've read, so you would think the fact that they're doing these background checks, you know, that, that especially because of one of the first things I read yesterday was the fact because he had that security clearance, it made it that he would have minimal background checks to obtain some of the weapons he did in, in the past couple of weeks. So I think that's another really good point you bring up, uh, uh, Colonel. We're going to take our first quick commercial break. If you'd like to ask the Colonel uh, a question, we have one more segment uh, with him before we move on to our next guest. If you'd like to call in and speak with Colonel Cedric Layton, you're welcome to do so at 888-6LESLIE. That's 888-653-7543. You can follow the Colonel on Twitter at Cedric Layton. That's C-E-D-R-I-C-L-E. I-G-H-T-O-N, or same uh, spelling there, CedricLayton.com, for his website. We'll be right back after this quick commercial break with Colonel Cedric Layton. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of truth. The Leslie Marshall Show, 888-6-LESLIE.
Welcome back to the Leslie Marshall Show. This again is Mark Romaldi, Leslie's executive producer, with you for about the next 40 minutes until Leslie uh, comes back on air. She's uh, driving back from her TV appearance. In the meantime, we are rejoined by a good friend of the show, Colonel Cedric Layton, who is founder and president of Cedric Layton Associates, which is a strategic risk and leadership consultancy serving global companies and organizations. Uh, now, the other thing I wanted to ask you about Colonel Layton basically is, you know, when we do talk about th- this lone wolf scenario is um, wh- what can uh, what can America do in order to protect itself from attacks like the one in Orlando and, and the other in San Bernardino? Because there were some red flags here, which we may not get with other lone wolf attacks. Well, there's so many things that could be done, and then you want to have that balance between, you know, do you want to have uh, an all-pervasive draconian police state, which we don't want as Americans, or do you want to, uh, you know, allow a, a large degree of freedom so that there's some risk associated with it? It's a, it's a, a proposition of balancing risks. And, uh, you know, one of the things that we can do, though, is have things like continuous evaluations of back of the background of people that work in sensitive positions, such as security guards. And uh, it's something that up until this point in time was not really possible. Uh, but with the advent of big data and the ability to actually understand, you know, not only what people are saying, uh, but also what their social context is, uh, it is you know, certainly uh, a theoretical possibility that employee, employers uh, could be able to uh, conduct more frequent and more thorough background checks uh, using things like social media as well as uh, physical interactions, personal interactions that people have on a, on a given day. So that would be one thing. Uh, the other thing, of course, is you know, to determine when uh, people actually are radicalized, and that's a very hard thing to do. It's part of that uh, getting inside your head thing that we talked about earlier. And it really is based on uh, you know being able to anticipate. Sometimes people themselves don't even know that they're going down a certain path, but if there are certain contacts, if there are certain imams that they speak with, in the case of a Muslim and a mosque, and those moms are, are more radical in nature, then perhaps uh, it would be worth pursuing the idea of uh, you know whether or not this individual is getting radicalized. But it's very hard to do this, and it uh, requires a, a large number of resources that, uh, you know, frankly, I don't think most uh, employers uh, or the federal government would be willing to deploy at this point. I think the other point you bring up is working with imams and working with community centers, something that President Obama has, you know, started to build a task force at. They had, you know, different faith leaders and uh, law enforcement leaders at the White House and the importance of not alienating the Muslim community by, you know, just making blanket blanket statements, you know, uh, that as some have that, you know, basically just uh, attacking the entire religion of Islam, which is very foolish because you know 99.99 percent are peaceful uh and do not you know commit attacks like this and i think you know if you really want to have help from the communities that these people practice their faith in or the communities where they may you know interact with more people and especially like you said if they're coming you know or their family this man was born here but his family was originally from uh, afghanistan those are the types of people that we need to have on our good side instead of demonizing especially those who are peaceful and currently have no problems with us there's no reason to to give them a, a problem um you know on that note uh I know, um, you know, Donald Trump demanded Sunday on Twitter that the president mention the words radical Islamic terrorism. Um, and the, the president uh, has 
so far been uh, resistance to that for the reason that I mentioned to you, saying, uh, quote, ISIL is not Islamic. No religion condones the killing of innocents, and the vast majority of ISIL's victims, as he correctly points out, have been Muslim, um, and ISIL mm-hmm. is certainly not a state. Um, he also said it's recognized by no government nor by the people it subjugates. It's a terrorist organization, pure and simple, and has no vision other than the slaughter of all who stand in its way. You also have senior uh, administration officials saying the president's reasoning hasn't changed. Why needlessly alienate Muslim partners in, in the war on ISIS and lend any crude, uh, credence, excuse me to the group's claim to uphold uh, Islamic uh, tenants. And I'm just wondering, we've got about a minute and a half left here, what, what your thoughts are on that, Colonel. Well, Mark, absolutely. I think it's very important not to alienate uh, you know, the entire Muslim community. It's, uh, these are, uh, most of them, uh, extremely law-abiding, extremely uh, religious in a good sense people, and they are very much willing to do the things that are uh, necessary in order to not only protect themselves and their communities, but us as well. And that that, uh, that is something we should never forget. And that goes for Muslims that are in the United States as well as Muslims who are living in their home countries overseas. I think the president was spot on when it, came, when it comes to uh, actually uh, indicating you know, what, uh, what this is all about. Using the term uh, Islamic terrorists, it, uh, it does give uh, you know, some degree of comfort, perhaps, and some degree of understanding that we're putting people into a category. The problem with language like that is that it paints everybody with a brush, and uh, that brush may be a little bit too broad uh, to actually reflect reality. It's, it's easy and simple to do certain things like that, uh, but sometimes easy and simple aren't the best answers. Colonel, thank you so much for your time. That's Colonel Cedric Layton. You can follow him on Twitter at Cedric Layton and check out his website, CedricLayton.com. This is Mark Romaldi in for Leslie Marshall. This is no ordinary sub shop. This is Firehouse Subs. Welcome to Firehouse. Tired of overpriced lunches that underdeliver on flavor? Head to Firehouse Subs, where for a limited time, you can get a $4.99 choice sub. Choose from a medium smoked turkey, Virginia honey ham, or roast beef. They're custom-made hot subs at a price ready-made to make you smile. Just $4.99, only at Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs, save more lives. Participating locations plus tax limited time offer prices may vary for delivery. How to show up with Coca-Cola energy. You're tired and you're thinking of canceling on your friends. Don't do it! Every time you cancel on a friend, a unicorn loses its horn and becomes a regular horse. Do you really want that on your conscience? Instead, grab an ice-cold can of Coca-Cola Energy with delicious Coke taste and reinvigorating energy. Keep the unicorns alive! Show up every day with Coca-Cola Energy. Energy you want, taste you love.